I'm probably close to 100 scripture references written down here. Obviously, we'll not be able to read every one of them, so take notes if you like. You can go back later on and study the doctrine of the Holy Ghost. This is one of the most important doctrines in the scripture to understand the doctrine of the Holy Ghost. We have all the way in the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible as well, reference to the Spirit of the Lord. And so it is a very, very important doctrine uh, that we need to study. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What a revelation, the book of Revelation, book of the Apocalypse, Revelation 22. All the way, the last chapter in the Bible. Revelation 22, 17. The Bible says, And the Spirit, say the Spirit, and the bride say come, and let him that heareth say come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. So we see the reference, the first book in the Bible, first chapter, last book in the Bible, last chapter referencing uh, the Spirit of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing, Lord, to be upon the reading of your holy word. You all glory and honor and praise for it. We ask you, God, this morning that you inspire us to preach it, to teach it, and to receive it. We open up our hearts and our minds tonight, this morning, God, to understand your word, to give ourselves to you completely and totally without distraction. We reverence you and your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, in the Bible, the Holy Ghost, when you talk about the Holy Ghost, it is not the third person in the Trinity. And we covered the Godhead last Sunday morning, and we talked about how some people have a view of one essence of God, and there's three invisible forms in that one essence of God. Well, can you imagine trying to determine an invisible form of the Spirit, of the Spirit? We have the Spirit, which is the essence of God, and then we have the Holy Ghost within the essence of God, the Spirit of God, and say there's an invisible form of that Spirit. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, the Holy Ghost is nothing more than the Spirit of the living God. Do you understand that, correct? Say praise the Lord if you understand that. All right. So when we come to the Word of the Lord, to give you some ideas of how important this subject is, over 90 times in the Old Testament, we have mention of the Holy Ghost. 18 different titles. In the New Testament, we have over 260 times the Holy Ghost is referenced with uh, 36 different names and titles. Out of the 27 books in the New Testament, only uh, two of them, 2 John and 3 John, have no reference uh, to the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God. So it's very important in the Word of the Lord. The Old Testament foretold the last day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now let's go to Joel chapter 2 and uh, give you more understanding about the difference between the Holy Ghost and the Old Testament. And 
and the Holy Ghost in the New Testament as far as its operation. But in the minor prophet Joel, we'll turn there. Joel chapter 2. All right. If you're there, say praise the Lord. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Okay, praise the Lord, everybody. All right, so the Holy Ghost is not a second person in the Trinity. The Holy Ghost is just simply a title for the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. Now, why do we have a different reference then? Why did it just, just, just say the Spirit of God? Why did it say Holy Ghost? Because when it's called Holy Ghost, it's referring to the Spirit of God in action. Say with me, the Spirit of God in action. So that's why it's called the Holy Ghost, right? Because it's God moving. It's God in action. From the book of Genesis, we see the Spirit of the Lord moving upon the face of the deep, right? Okay, so we have God in action. And then we see in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say come. So this is the Spirit of God in action. Every time you uh, have a reference to the Holy Ghost, if you keep that in mind, it's referring to God in action. It's not talking about a different spirit or a different God. There's only one spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, keep your place in Joel 2. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. How many spirits are there? Amen. Ephesians 4. The Bible tells us in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So that settles it already. There's not two spirits of God. There's not the spirit of God and then the Holy Ghost separate from him as a second person. There's only one spirit, okay? Just one. So when you reference the spirits of God as Holy Ghost, you're talking about the movings of God. The movings and the goings of God. Okay, Joel chapter 2, we have a prophecy here about the last days. How many of y'all believe we're in the last days? All right, Joel prophesied seven, eight hundred years before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is what he said, Joel 2, 28. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit. Who's talking? Verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed, and afterward, it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, for your young men uh, shall see visions also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. So God says he's going to pour out his spirit. Go to Acts chapter 2. And this is where this prophecy is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Beginning with verse 1. Acts 2, 1. There, say praise the Lord. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all 
with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire was set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, what would this have been about? Verse 17, chapter 2. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. So we have the fulfillment, or the beginning of the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. The Bible says the Holy Ghost was poured out. But Joel, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says it was the Spirit of God. We don't have two spirits here. There's no such thing as a trinity. Three separate persons in the Godhead. The Holy Ghost is none other than the spirits of God moving and indwelling the believer. You understand that? Say praise the Lord. So it was prophesied to be poured out on all flesh. I'll explain to you later on in the Old Testament that was not the case. That's a New Testament experience. Okay? The, in the New Testament, you have the ministry of the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament foretold the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the last days. Revelation, it was to give revelation to the people, John 14, 15 through 26. Now, what keeps the church today from studying this doctrine is fear, number one. Number two, formalism. Because the church is afraid of the Holy Ghost. I don't know why, but they are. And it's not just the church as a whole, but it's individuals as a whole. They're afraid. You start talking about the Holy Ghost, and people start getting afraid of it. You know, I don't know if it's the term ghost that scares them or what it is. But Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. You can say Holy Spirit, or you can say Holy Ghost. It's still talking about the same Spirit of God. The reason why it's called Holy Ghost is because in the King James, when the King James translators uh, wrote the Bible, they translated it Holy Ghost because they wanted you to know in 1611, they wanted you to know that the spirit that people received was the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ. So when you talk about ghosts, you're talking about the spirit of somebody who lived upon the earth, okay, before, who died. You understand that? So what we have is Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God that was in Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost that was in him. When he died, it was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So it's the same Spirit that was in Jesus while he was alive. After he died, it's now come back to the earth, and that's why they called it the Holy Ghost. So that you would understand it wasn't a different person. Okay? It wasn't a different Spirit. But it was the same spirit that lived in Jesus while he was alive on the earth. And he has come back after his death, burial, and resurrection. The spirit of the, of the same Jesus. That's why it was called Holy Ghost. So when you say Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, it means the same thing. There's absolutely nothing to be afraid of when you talk about the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost. Because that is God's presence. And he wants you to experience him. The problem is people are afraid of it. They're afraid of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They fear this doctrine and the formalism that's in the church. The church wants to stay formal, you know. 
It just wants to be religious. It doesn't want to have an experience like this with God. So it will say it's not for us today. That is a total lie. If the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is not for us today, you cannot be saved. Because you cannot be saved without being born of the Holy Ghost. So a lot of people will go to church and they'll sit in church pews, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. And they'll, they'll say they're saved, but they're absolutely not saved. Because you cannot be saved without the Holy Ghost. That is impossible. So what we have then, we have a church system, a religious system, that says the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost is not for us today. It ended with the uh, completion of the Bible. Well, that's impossible because you could not be saved without the Holy Ghost. And Romans 8 is very clear about that. It says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, you do not belong to Him. So this is an essential doctrine. But because of formalism, the formalism of the church, okay, and because of its fear, it does not teach, uh, does not want to teach this doctrine. And number three, ignorance. Because they're ignorant of it. Now, I'm a Holy Ghost-filled man preaching to hopefully Holy Ghost-filled people. So you understand this. This is not something new. When I preach to you about the Holy Ghost, it's not something new to you because you have experienced it and I've experienced it. So for us in this church, we do not have fear of it. Number two, we are not a formalistic church. And number three, we are not ignorant of it. So we teach and preach it all the time. It's one of the most important doctrines in the Bible. And I'm just trying to explain to you why it's not preached in the churches today. Because they fear it because of formalism that's in the church and because of the ignorance that's in the church. Okay? So praise the Lord. All right. Now, the Spirit of God, uh, John 4, 24, tells us it is the Spirit of God. So let's go over here just quickly and read uh, this, John 4, 24. The Bible tells us here, God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth, all right? So the Spirit of God. Now, let's look in uh, John 3. Back up a little bit. John 3, same book of the Bible. John 3, 3 through 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time? in his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay? So is everybody clear on that? Without the Holy Ghost, you can't, number one, you can't enter in the kingdom of God, and also you can't see it. You can't understand it. It will not make a bit of sense to you when you come to church you see people worshiping God, speaking in tongues, running around, having a good time with the Lord, you know, supernatural gifts of the Spirit, breaking out all around people, miracles everywhere taking place. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's not going to make one bit of sense to you what is going on in that meeting. But after you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you begin to understand what's going on because you are in tune with and you have discernment of the movement of the Spirit of God within that group of people. So we're not a formalistic people. Okay? So it is a spirit of the living God. And the Bible tells us, if you look at verse 8 of chapter 3 of John, 
it's called the wind. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. But it says something about the Spirit of God here. It says it's like the wind. Now that tells me two things. It tells me, number one, that it is an invisible thing. Number two, it tells me that it's a force. Okay? So when the Holy Ghost comes in you or comes into our meetings as a church, then what we have is it's like the wind. You cannot see the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost because it's invisible. But it is a force. So you go out and you feel the wind. Can you see the wind? No, you can't see the wind, but you can feel the force of its power. And you can you can see the, the uh, effects of the wind. But nobody has seen the wind. So it is the Spirit of God. You must have it in order to enter into the kingdom of God. And it is a force, so you can feel it. When the Spirit of God comes and begins to move in a church or inside of you, you can feel God because it is a force, an invisible force. But it's not just a force. It is God. It's the presence of God. So it's a personal experience, not just energy, not just force that comes. It's not just wind. In fact, the Bible tells us the word spirit or the spirit of God comes from the Greek word pneuma. And that simply means pneumatic, like carrying a tire up. You got pneumatic tires, then you have tires that have air in them. Okay? So when we translate from the Greek pneuma into the English, we have spirit. But the Greek is pneuma, which means wind. So the Spirit of God is likened to the wind. It's an invisible force that comes. Now we can feel his presence just like we can feel the wind. But we can't see his presence. Okay? Now, the Spirit of God is in this church service this morning. So that's the first thing I want to point out to you. The Spirit of God is in this church service this morning. God is here in an invisible form and force, but it's not just a force, it's His presence. So you can feel Him, you can interact with Him, you can talk to Him, He talks back to you. Miracles can break out all around you, so on and so forth. But you need to understand that He is like the wind, invisible and it's forceful, it's powerful, but it's the presence of God, all right? And His Spirit is here right now. And if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, been baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord is dwelling, indwelling each one of you, okay? So it's not just around us in this church service, but He's inside of you as an individual. Now, is God everywhere? Yes, and what makes the difference this morning with God being in this church service in this sanctuary and say Walmart. If God is everywhere, we'll say, well, you know, God is everywhere. I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to go to church to worship God. Well, first of all, God is everywhere by His omnipresence. Okay? His Spirit is everywhere, but His manifest presence is not in Walmart. His manifest presence is in the church body. Okay, so wherever we gather is a body. It can be outside this morning. It can be in a barn this morning. It, everywhere, anywhere, in a house, anywhere that you gather as a church, the Spirit of God is in the midst of that church manifestly, not just His omnipresent Spirit. So that's the difference. 
People say, well, I can worship God anyway. That's true. But spirit and truth is involved with that. Okay? And that means the manifest presence of God. You're going to feel God. God's going to talk to you. God's going to move. He's going to do signs and miracles and wonders. You understand the difference. So the Spirit of the Lord is everywhere in His omnipresence, but His manifest presence is in His church. And if you want to find God, you're going to have to find God in His church. You're not going to find Him in Walmart. You're not going to find Him in PPNY. You're not going to find Him in Woolworths. All right? You're just not. He's everywhere. How many of you want to find God? You want to know God? You want a relationship with God? Then you have to come to the place where God manifests His presence. And that's in His body, the church of the living God, individually and corporately. You understand that? Say, praise the Lord. I want to be where God is. And I'm glad today because I'm telling you, God is in this church. He's in me. He's in many of you, and he's in this church to manifest his presence in a very real, real way. But he's invisible, praise God. And he's very, but he's very forceful, he's like the wind. Now also, it, this force, when it comes like the wind, the Spirit of God comes like the wind. If you can't see it, but you can feel it, it's invisible, but you can still feel it because it's a force, praise God, his presence. You can also hear the wind. So look at what verse 8 says. The wind bloweth where it listeth. That means where it wills. Okay? With me? And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone, say everyone, say everyone, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. So, it's like the wind. You can't see it. It's invisible. It's a force. But you will hear the sound thereof, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. What is that sound? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Keep your place in John. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all at one court in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a what? Rushing mighty wind. Now you have to be fast. I mean, I... I'm not going to wait. I can't wait for you this morning. You're going to get your Bibles, get them in hand, get ready to go. Because I'm going to go get some scriptures. And if you're just sitting there, well, where's my Bible? I'm going to be about 10 scriptures down the road by the time you find it. You need to have Bible in hand. You need to be ready to be, okay? Say praise God. So when the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God was poured out in fulfillment of the prophet Joel, the Bible says it was like what? There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And what happened? And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Okay? So when the Spirit of God comes in, it's, in a, it's an invisible thing, it's a force, but the Bible says there's going to be a sound that, that will accompany the presence of God. And that sound, when it came into the upper room, I say upper room, it's part of the temple, but anyway, into those early New Testament believers, when it came inside of them, the sound that came out of their mouth was tongues. And so the Bible says that the Spirit of God is like the wind. You can't see it, but you hear the sound thereof. 
And when the Spirit of God comes inside of you, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. There will be a sound. And that sound is the same sound that came out of those believers in that early church and that was they spake with other tongues. So that's why when we pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I can't see God come and walk inside of them. I can see his effects upon them. You know, I can watch. I have enough discernment to watch. If I'm praying with Jared to receive the Holy Ghost, I can. I have enough discernment to know when the Spirit of God's moving on them because I can see the effects of the Spirit of God. You understand? And then all of a sudden, he'll start speaking in other tongues. Well, that's a manifestation of the presence of God. Okay, that's the sound. All right, tongues, tongues isn't the Spirit of God. Just like sound isn't the wind. The wind blows. It just makes the sound. When a person receives the Holy Ghost, you have this force, this experience with God, the presence of God, and you see the effects of it upon a person, but you hear the sound coming out of their mouth. They speak in tongues. So I'm I'm the kind of pastor this morning that believes that if you have not spoken tongues, you don't have the Holy Ghost. Okay? And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, then you are not saved. And I'm not the only preacher in America that believes that. And I'm an apostolic Jesus name, one God holiness preacher. But I will say this, there are some, and I, I'm not going to call anybody my name, but there's a man in Dallas right now that has a church of probably 30,000, 40,000 people that will say the same thing I just told you. Okay? And what is that? That you need the Holy Ghost in order to be saved. Praise the Lord. And the proof or the evidence that you have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost is that you will have a sound that comes out of your mouth. And that sound is they heard him speak with other tongues and magnify God. Okay, say praise the Lord. Did everybody understand that? Are you clear on that? Okay. So I thank God for his presence uh, this morning. So it's like the wind. It's unseen. It's a visible force. You hear the sound and you can see the effects of the presence of God. Now, this spirit of the Lord, though, is again not just a force, but it is the actual presence of the Lord. It's the spirit of God. So it's personal. Does that make sense? Okay, the wind's not personal, but the spirit of God is personal because it's the presence of the Lord Himself. Now, think about this. Okay, there are evil spirits. Now, whether it be an evil spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of a man, so on and so forth, spirits are invisible. Okay? Spirit of God is invisible. It's a force. It's, it's personal. Uh, there's a sound that comes with it. Demonic spirits are also invisible. Now, we can see their work all around us. And not just in the world, but sometimes even in the church house. I'm just being honest with you today. It just depends on what spirit that you yield to. Okay? So demonic spirits are like the Spirit of God in the sense that they are invisible and they are a force and they are personal and they are at work in the world today and we see their work visibly manifested, the evil, the fallen, the troubles in our world today that are created by these demonic spirits. You understand that? All right, so they are the Spirit of God, 
spirit of a demonic spirit is invisible, but it's a force that tells how it works. That's my point. I'm trying to get you to see now. Angels. You can't see an angel this morning either because angels are spirits. They're not corporal. The spirit of God is not corporal. Demonic spirits are not corporal. Angels are not corporal. That means they don't have a physical body. Okay? So there are angels in this house this morning. Now I said the Spirit of God is here. How many of believe the Spirit of God is here? Well, number two, there's demon spirits here too. So I'm just going to tell you right up front, there's demons in this house this morning. Okay? Number three, there are angels in this house. In this church service this morning. Now, what are the demonic spirits trying to do this morning? They're trying to disrupt. They're trying to distract. They're trying to get your mind to wander. They're trying to get you to be occupied on a lot of other things. They're trying to mix you with confusion. They're trying to, to uh, destroy your walk with God. Do you understand? They're, they're here today. How many of y'all believe what I'm saying? Uh, okay, let me give you a Bible. The Bible says when the Word of God is being sown, that the fowls of the air try to sweep down and steal that Word from you before it's allowed to be sown into your heart. That's why when I started praying this morning, I took authority over distraction, that, that we would be totally focused this morning as a people on the Word of God because there are demonic spirits in this house this morning, and they are coming like fowls of the air to snatch the Word of God right out of your ear so it won't be implanted into your spirit, Right? Now, this is something that you as a believer and I as a pastor need to understand because I can stand up here and preach all morning. I can preach all day long. I'm, I preach Wednesday night. I preach Sunday morning. Sometimes Sunday night, depending on the leading of the Lord, whatever. But you have to be aware of the fact that the devil is going to try to come and take that word that's being preached to you. And so that means he has to be in the church house. So there are invisible demonic spirits right now that I'm fighting. Okay? And I'm opposing, and they are opposing me, and they're resisting me. And if you're not careful as an individual, you will yield yourself to that demonic spirit because you will allow them to come down like a fallacy and sweep the word of God away from you. You have to be like Abraham. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, when those fowls of the air came down to take his sacrifice, the Bible says he drove them away. You cannot come and sit in the church house and be passive. Because when the Word of God goes forth, those spirits are coming down. Those spell of the air are coming down. And you're going to have to fight them. I don't want you standing up and disrupting what I'm saying. You know? Get the club out, get the board out, or whatever. Trying to drive the fouls of the air. And I would say, what are you doing? But what I'm trying to make you aware of is this, is that those fowls of the air are in this service right now, and I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you that those spirits are here to take the Word of God away from you, to distract you, confuse you, to destroy your soul, and your walk with God. When the Word of God goes forth, that means you have to focus, you have to pay attention on what is being said. Because I promise you, if you don't need what I'm saying this morning, you're going to need it this evening. And if you don't need it this evening, you'll need it tomorrow. And if you don't need it tomorrow, you'll need it Tuesday. If you don't need it Wednesday, you're going to need it at some point. And the devil knows it. That's why, listen to me, that's why he comes and he tries to sit on the congregation of the saints, especially at the beginning of a service. The presence of God is here, but the devil comes, an invisible spirit. I say demonic powers. 
whether or not the devil himself is here this morning, he's probably got other things he's doing. It's a little bigger than us, okay, honestly. Uh, but anyway, his demonic spirits are here right now, and they're trying to set on you. They're trying to set on the congregation. The Bible says the congregation on the sides of the north, Ezekiel 28. So these invisible spirits come, and they come to set on you. They have rebelled against God. They come bringing rebellion. They come bringing division. They come bringing strife. They come to destroy you. They come to take the word of God out of your heart and your mind like fowls of the air. And you have to be aware of that. When they start setting on you, the congregation of, of, of the Lord and the sides of the Lord try to keep you from worshiping, to keep you from praising, focusing on your problem, focusing on your trouble. You need to understand what's going on. As a pastor, I know what's going on. That's why when I first start preaching, I know what I'm wrestling against. It's that invisible spirit world is trying to set on what is going to happen in that service. But by the grace of God and the power of God, he doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen. Because we just, we don't let him have his way. We can't let him have his way. I can't as a pastor let him have his way, even though I feel that setting on me and setting on you I still get up I'm going to preach I'm going to declare the word of the Lord and I'm going to try my best to help you understand what's going on it's not just your emotions there are spirits at work in you or on you to try to steal the word of God okay, so they give you sufficient word today to help you understand that I'm not just saying things when I say demon spirits are here I'm giving you Bible. Okay? And they're coming to take the word of God away from you as soon as it comes out of my mouth. They want to take it right away from you before you ever allow it get to get embedded in your heart. You've got to be like Abraham. You've got to fight those spells and those spirits. You've got to drive them away. You've got to get focused. You've got to put your attention on it. And if you will, God will help you. They're not just here to take the word of God like thousands of years. They're not here just to sit on you steal your praise and your worship, but I'm also going to tell you that they are here, the Bible says, to enter into lies of Satan. The Bible talks about, this is why it's so important for us to understand the Holy Ghost and, and the importance of, of being filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible says when a person, when a spirit's been cast out of a person, a demonic spirit, that demonic spirit goes into dry places. Well, what's it looking for? It's looking for moisture. It's looking for a warm body. So it goes into these dry places where there's no moisture, all right? And the Bible says what it does after it goes out into the dry places, it will return back to the person that it was cast out of. And when it comes back, it brings seven more worse than itself. And if it sees that person has just been swept and varnished, that means they've repented of their sin. But the Holy Ghost isn't in them. They're not full of the Holy Ghost. They were forgiven of their sin, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. They're empty. And when the demonic spirit with those seven other spirits see, they can see in that person's life 
the Bible says they will enter into that person and that person will become seven times worse than they were before. So let me tell you this morning, church, if you're not full of the Spirit of God, if you're not full of the Holy Ghost, that invisible demonic spirit that was cast out of you at conversion is going to come back. And when it comes back, it's bringing seven spirits worse than it, it, you know, than that one. And when it comes, it sees you swept and garnished, maybe forgiven, but you're not full of God this morning. The Bible says they will enter back into you and you'll become seven times worse. I'm preaching to you by the Holy Ghost this morning. If you don't have the Spirit of God indwelling in you, if you're not full of God this morning, know that you are susceptible to demonic spirits entering into you. Because they're spirits. They're looking for warm bodies. And you, you don't look tough. How can I get a spirit? It's like breathing. You take a breath into your lungs, you breathe it out. Breathe in. Out. That's all it takes. If you've got, if you don't have the spirit of the Lord today, all you have to do is breathe. Your spirit flows out. So it's important for you to understand the nature and character of the spirit world. God is a spirit. He's invisible. He's a force. He's powerful. The presence of God that comes to this church. But you need to understand those demonic spirits that are invisible also are here in this place to do their work. And we see the effect of the spirit of demonic powers. And if you're not full of the Holy Ghost, and if I'm not full of the Holy Ghost, I'm not preaching down at you. If I'm not full of the Holy Ghost this morning, I am susceptible to demonic winds. I don't care who you are. It'll manifest itself in pride. It'll manifest itself in ego. It'll manifest itself in carnality. All kinds of stuff. And you'll start acting out of character. You weren't like this before. But all of a sudden, you start acting strange. Strange. Amen? And that's because... You've opened up your life to demonic powers. You're doing things you would never do if you were full of the Holy Ghost. So you can't even figure yourself out why you're acting like you are. Strange, acting strange. It's because you're not, if you're not full of God, all you have to do is breathe it. Comes right in. You can imagine me saying that a believer that's filled with the Holy Ghost can also have a demonic spirit living inside. Of them, but you're talking about the soul, man. Okay. The Spirit of God dwells in your spirit. But you, you and I can open ourselves up to oppression and depression because they come to oppress, they come to depress, all this stuff. You hear what your pastor telling you? We are in a battle. We are in a huge spiritual battle. So you and I, not just your pastor, but everybody here and everybody back there need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be in a prayer room. We need to be talking to God. Because if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you may be swept and garnished. God may have forgiven you, but you are susceptible for those demonic powers to come back to your life and take you over. And you'll be worse than you were before. I need God this morning. I need to, I need to be full of the Spirit of God. I don't want a spiritual eclipse in my life. 
to have the victory and the light of God in my life, the Spirit of God, the fullness of God, uh, the fullness of the Spirit of God inside of me. Then all of a sudden, I oh, because I'm not staying full of God's Spirit, I become susceptible to these other invisible spirits, demonic spirits, and I have a spiritual reflex. And so now, when you look at my face, oh, you see darkness. And you see the creatures of the night in my life because of the spiritual eclipse in your life. And you can see the Spirit of God in person, on a person. You can see it protect, it's moving. You can hear them speaking in tongues. But you can also see manifestly when somebody has come under a spirit of darkness because their whole life becomes dark. And these little creatures of the night that don't come out during the daytime come out. Come out in my life. And they come out in your life. That's why I have to stay full of God's Spirit. That's why you need to speak in tongues, and I need to speak in tongues on a regular basis. Because I know I'm yielding to the Spirit of God, my tongue. My tongue is unruly. It's an unruly member of my body. And when I can yield my tongue to the Spirit of God, that's the proof that I've received the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. And I need to renew myself in the Holy Ghost. I need to speak in tongues on a regular basis so I know I'm still full of the Holy Ghost. When I speak in tongues and I can feel the presence of God, then I know, all right, Lord, you're fighting this. You're fighting this. Spirit, they're trying to come to take the word. They're trying to come to sit down. They're trying to come over to take my life. They're trying to take me from light to darkness and release all the creatures of the night back in the night. Because I love every one of you. But what, what I'm trying, what your pastor is trying to help you see by the Holy Ghost this morning, and I wouldn't plan on preaching like this, but what your pastor is trying to get you to see and understand is that you are in a spiritual battle. We're not fighting flesh and blood. You are in a spiritual battle this morning. You're fighting invisible spirits, and so am I. We have to understand. All right, you with me? Just the other day, I learned so much. I watched a documentary a few hours on the Vietnam War. And I learned so much about Vietnam I didn't know before. But one thing that I remember they said, one of the most difficult times to defend in Vietnam. Those soldiers, our U.S. soldiers, they were in Vietnam in those trenches doing trench warfare. They feared the night because that was the most difficult time to defend. And they said in the middle of the night in the time of darkness when it wasn't night, one of those uh, North uh, Vietnamese soldiers was lying cut their throat and fall dead before they even realized. You need to understand today we're not fighting against flesh and blood, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And when you start when you start giving yourself to the things of darkness, it's like those North Vietnamese that were sitting over those trenches and cut the throats of those soldiers and they said they feared the feeling It's a very, very serious thing. But the good news is this, all right? If you get full of the Spirit of God this morning, you yield to God's presence. You let Him blow in you and blow through you. Like Song of Solomon says, let Him come in to His garden. Jesus, And let Him breathe. Let the wind of God breathe in His garden and release the beautiful spices in the garden. That's the bride talking. Bride saying, Let him come into me. I belong to him. 
I'm his garden. Let him breathe in me and release all of his spices in that garden. So important for, for me and for you as a church, especially in this hour, that we stay for the Holy Ghost. That's forgiveness. All I need to do this morning is yield to the eternal spirit of God. And, and, and I, I know, you know, even me and my wife the other day were talking about Veronica and the power of God that moved in her that one night. And you know what her son told me when I was talking to Eddie? Uh, he knew that she had that kind of anointing. But not just that, but he told me, Pastor, she got victory. Well, how did that happen? She just gave herself to God. I mean, and I, 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 you know, I kind of think about it because she didn't know what else to do. Just give myself to God. Pastor tells me to come up here and testify. I don't know what to do or say or anything else. I'm just going to give myself to God and hallelujah. That's what she did. The power of the presence of the Spirit of the Lord took over her. She got the victory. See, the enemy doesn't want us to know this doctrine. That's what I'm telling you. This is the, one of the most important doctrines in the Word of God that I'm going to teach you. And I, don't, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to finish this morning now because God just kept telling me to take over here and testify with me because that's what I want. It's very important for us to understand this doctrine. And if I'm full of God, guess what? The devil can't come and move in because there's no vacancies. There's no vacancy. The Spirit of God says no vacancies. This person is full. They're not just cleaned up. They're not just swept up. This person is full of the living God. There's no vacancies. And if there's no vacancies, that invisible spirit, demonic power, cannot enter back into you. But I'm not fighting you, and you're not fighting me. We are fighting spirits. And we have to preach. We have to counsel. Man fell by a counselor, this, the devil in the garden. Man fell by a counselor in the garden of Eden. Man is redeemed by a counselor. He's, what is he? Run to us. A child is born, a son is given. That's what called his name. Wonderful Counselor. So when you hear the Word of God preached, see, Satan's been talking to you because he talks to us too. You know, demonic powers talk. And uh, all this is going on. But when you come to the house of God, there is a counselor that's being released into your life by the Word of God. And you are being redeemed by a counselor by the Word of God. You, the, the, the enemy is uncovered. He's exposed. We know he was in that in that bunker over there. We know he was in that mountain over there. Now we're going to throw some grenades there. We're going to launch some grenades. We're going to, hallelujah, we're going to release some machine gun fire. Oh, the name of Jesus, the word of God, the blood of Jesus. And we launch it by prayer and praise and worship and yielding to the Spirit of God. You understand this? And sometimes we need some brothers and sisters, you know, like this one leader of a, a group of soldiers in Vietnam. He said he saw, uh, saw a machine gun fire coming off one of those mountains up there. And uh, he told one of his men, he said, you stand there with that machine gun. When you keep firing, when you see that fire coming, you keep firing it. He said, don't stop. You keep firing so you can distract him 
that man stood there and he fired that machine gun, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. He took one of the legs. And the commanding officer that was over him said, the man kept shooting and kept firing at the gun as he washed blood by the heartbeat pumped blood out of his leg at the heartbeat. And that man refused to put his machine gun down and refused to quit firing at the enemy so that his leader and his men could go up there and take that man. We need some men and women of God that are like that. Because there's, there's some enemy fire. Okay? And they're hid, man. They're hid in bunkers. They're shooting. Because you know what? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we can send the name. We can send the blood. We can send some prayer. We can send some praise. And as we do, maybe you might take one in the leg. And you might be pumping out. You might be bleeding out. But go ahead. You keep on being faithful to God. And somebody in the church is going to get there and wipe the enemy out in the name of Jesus. And I would like to be that one that gets there. I want to be the leader. I want to wipe him out. I want to drop some grenades into his bunker. The leader of that company said, when that man stood there and he's pumping and bleeding out, you know, and he kept firing, he just took off. The leader of that company did took off. He said, I looked back and I saw all my men right behind seconds behind. And then over they brought grenades into those bunkers and they wiped them out. Now, that's battle. But you and I are in a much more difficult battle to fight. Because the battle we fight is against invisible forces. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain of every vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. You gotta get a hold of your mind, you gotta get a hold of your thoughts. You gotta get full of the Holy Ghost, praise God. Because we've got a fight, and we've got a fight, and it's in the spirit. So we've got weapons. We have weapons. We need to understand today. Don't let the enemy come and take you. I don't want to become a casualty to you. How many want to become a casualty? I don't want to become a casualty. Anybody want to become a casualty? How many don't want to become a casualty? We get full of the spirit of the living God. Fight, fight, stand in the valley of the strong. Take up your weapon, put on your armor, fight! God's spirit's invisible. It's a force. It's personal. These demonic spirits are invisible. They're a force. They're personal. They're doing their work as well. But we can see it in the world. But the weapons of our warfare are much more powerful. Because in this church as well, the spirit of God is here. Not only demonic, but not only that, but these demonic spirits come in and doing their thing. But there are angels in this church. According to the book of Revelation, if the church is really a church from God, if the church is really planted by God, if the church is really of God, it's not just some kind of social religious thing. If it's really of God, it's planted by God, the Bible says there's an angel in that church. Now, I know that means the messenger, and I know that means the pastor or the preacher. God sent the messenger or the angel in the church. Amen? I'm, I'm glad to know the Lord has called, called me an angel. 
called me an angel. Don't look at me like that. That just simply means a messenger. But I believe also that God, not only is it said a pastor in that church, but I believe that God dispatched an, an angel to a local house that belongs to him. And there's an angel that's standing in this house. Amen? I believe that God has placed in this church to have some, some operation and movement in this church. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart. And now I've never seen that angel. It's never manifested itself visibly or corporately, physically. But I know, I believe with all my heart, there's an angel in this church. They're specifically placed in this house. Amen. Praise God. But not just that. There's, there, there's probably angels sitting by you. And maybe some of them looking at you going, what's your deal? Don't you know? Uh, maybe that angel sitting beside you said, don't you know that this North Vietnamese is fixing to climb over here and cut your throat? And you're sitting there acting like nothing's going on and you're not even focused. You're not even paying attention to what's going on. You're fixing to get your throat cut. If it wasn't for the angel of the Lord, he'd already got it cut. You better wake up. You better get alert. You better get focused. But there are angels. Somebody just, why don't you just do this, all right? Take your hand like this. Okay? And just reach out the side. And if there's a person there, don't, don't bother them. All right. Now, okay. In case you don't know it, some of you just put your hand to an angel. Just went right to it. They're not corporate physically, they're spiritual like the Now, see, and I'm telling you, the, the formal religious person, the formal religious church, they wouldn't even want to hear what I'm saying this morning. Because they're dead spiritually. They're not in tune with the spirit world because it's invisible. They gotta see everything. But you just put your hand through an angel. I believe there's angels standing on this platform right now. And they're personal. They're not forceful. Okay? If you love the Lord, say amen. And then you have the spirit within man. Now, man has a corporal body. Man has a physical body. All right? How many of y'all believe that? Most of you have a physical body. Got a physical body, Randall? See? Okay. Glad you're not getting spiritual. The difference with us is that we, listen, okay, in case you don't know this, all right? Look at me as I preach. In case you don't know this, in your fallen state, this is your focus body first, then soul, then spirit. If you're not saved, that is the thing that governs your life. Your body needs, your soul, what you so want, and then the spirit. But the redeemed man in the Bible is no longer body, soul, and spirit. It's spirit, soul, then body. In that order. Okay? So you are a born in, you are a spirit being with a body. Don't forget that. 
when you walk around, it's not just you, your physical body walking around, you know. It's not just your soul with all your appetite. You are a spirit being who has a body. That's why, praise the Lord. I mean, my physical body's standing up here, correct? You know, you ever heard anybody say, Can you feel me? Well, I'm 20 miles away from you. Can you feel me? Yeah, I can feel you. Why? Because you're spirit. You're spirit. Are y'all with me? And don't get spooky on me here. Don't get freaky on me here. But your spirit goes out further than just your body. You understand? Just, I don't get technical with me, but I'm just saying. My influence fills this room. All right? How does it fill this room? My body is only inhabiting a short period of small area of space, but my influence fills this whole room right now. And because I'm preaching the Word of God, the Word of God's going out to you, and it's infused with the spirit and power of the presence of God. So as it goes forth, you've got the spirit and presence of God in his word. But as I preach, I am releasing wind or spirit in my words to you. Because the kingdom of God, listen to me. The spirit world operates in the realm of voice. The spirit world is a voice activated kingdom. So when I preach to you, we're activating things in the spirit because it is a voice activated kingdom. The spirit world is. When I preach to you the word of the living God, the presence of God is in that word today, but my spirit's also being released. That means if I got a, a bad spirit, bad attitude, guess what's going to happen? I'm releasing that into the church. I'm releasing that into you. Come on, church, hear what I'm saying. You can't walk into this church and have a wrong attitude and a wrong spirit and be all kind of messed up and think it's just within your body. You are influencing the atmosphere because you're not just a body being, you are a spirit being in a body. Now they got instruments, instrumentation that they can take and they can put on the person they see this outside glow. You know what I'm saying? It's just like radiating, radiating in different colors. You're not, you're not limited to your body. It's not just my physical mouth that's talking to you this morning. My spirit's talking to you. God's spirit's talking to you. My spirit's talking to you. Guess what? So are you. So while I stand up here and preach the word of the Lord, in case you don't know it, you're talking to me the whole time. And I can feel you and you can feel me. And us men really know what that means. Because we don't have to say a word. We just look. What are you looking at? Us men know that better than I think the women know. Right? I, I, I could be standing on one side of the church and look over there and I can discern the spirit of an individual across the church. I know exactly where they are. They're not even standing in front of me. 
because your spirit has influence. That's why it's important for me to get in that prayer room. It's important for you to get in that prayer room. So when I come in the house of God, I'm not bringing stuff into this place. Because I can't keep it capsulized in this corporal body. I'm a spirit being. My influence goes out much bigger than that. So does yours. And I just love it when God takes over and starts talking to us. I just, I thank God for that. So when you come to the house, now please, please don't forget that. I just please, because I'm all excited about you, man. I'm all happy about this. Why, whoa, whoa, Lord, you be good. You be good, God. I'm not taking any credit for it. I'm like, God, you be, you be so good, Lord. Don't, don't forget what I just got through saying and preaching because I'm all excited. I'm all giddy up here. Don't forget. Don't forget. We're in spiritual battle. We've got everything we need, all the weapons that we need, all everything we need to be victorious in this battle. There should be no casualties in this battle. If we have everything we need to be victorious, Spirit of the living God, enemy doesn't stand a chance. The spirit of the devil or his demonic powers are not equal in power as God. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. They aren't. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. They're not. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. They don't. We've got everything we need. You have everything you need to be victorious this morning. And it's a gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You're not worthy of it. But all you have to do is by the blood of Jesus, ask God to forgive you and ask God to fill you and He will give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. None of us deserve it. We can't buy it. It's a gift from God because of the blood He shed for us. You get for the Holy Ghost, the devil trembles. You can be victorious this morning. I am. I'm victorious, man. We all love God. The enemy's no match. No match for the Lord. No match for the Lord. Y'all all right this morning? Aren't you glad that I'm, I'm a more mature pastor now? I've been pastoring for this great church for 20 years. If this is not my first church, you know, aren't you so glad? Because my first church, you know what I received? had so much zeal for God and, and of God. And I'm not saying I don't have it anymore. But you just sit there and listen. I used to read these things. I'd start, I'd start trying to get in my seat and I'd be like, man, I'd say, aren't you glad that I'm more mature now? Woo, thank you, Jesus. I was talking to a spiritual son. He asked me a funny little spiritual son. He called me this afternoon church one night. And he said, you know, he said, I get to preach the word of the Lord. And he says, he's so excited about the word of God. And he just kind of sat there and just looked at him. I keep telling him, I don't understand. Why don't, why don't you get excited about the word of God? Just sit there and look at me, you know. And I said, yeah, I do remember when you were sitting in the church. I was preaching like that, don't you? Uh, yeah. He said, I remember. I remember. That's the way it is, man. 
you get, get to preach it. I mean, hallelujah. You're sitting there. You're trying your best to listen. This guy's just crazy, excited about God and everything. Anyway, let me pick up the word of the Lord. But, I, but I'm just telling you, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm, 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 I've grown in wisdom through years. I hope I, hope I have. So I don't go and shake everybody's head off their, their body. What's wrong with you? Aren't you glad? How many of y'all are glad you have a more mature pastor? I'm not saying mature, but more mature pastor. If you're happy, if I say this, you're in. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. God's good, isn't he? I love him, don't you? When I first started preaching, Brother Mark, you know, everybody get excited and people up there. They had a band, they took drums and everything, and singing and worshiping God. And that was all good, you know. And they get excited about the music, get excited about the singing. And then we, I got up and I started preaching the Word of God, and they got quiet on me. And, and it wasn't even my church, but I got on their case. They said, Why you get excited and come over and preach the drum and singing? And then the Word of God preached, and you sit down. I said, No, the Word of God is the highest thing that's going to happen tonight. It's not entertainment, it's not a drum beat. The highest thing that will happen is the preaching of the Word of the living God. Don't sit on it. Don't get excited about it in entertainment and then come to the house of God and not be excited about the Word of God. The Word of God is the greatest thing that there is. God said this. He said He put His Word above His name. That's how important the Word of God is to God. He said He put His Word above His name. But see, I'm, I just want to change I'm I'm calm now. I'm a lot calmer than I used to be, praise the Lord. Ain't you glad, Brother Man? You know, it might be too, maybe not, but I'm getting a lot smarter or wiser now. I'm just getting older. You know what I mean? I mean, used to just run and jump off the platform and I could do that. Maybe it's just like that. Maybe it's not about being wise, it's just about getting old. Hallelujah. <laughs> you just realize your limitations now. I think now, my limitations, I'd rather do that. Somebody probably get knocked in the face or something. You know? I'll just leave them alone, let God die. Do you got good? All right, ready? Let's go real quick here. I, I don't know how far I'm going to get, but. Now, the Spirit of the Lord, again, the Holy Ghost is God in action. All right, so let me go through a lot of different things here. Number one, the Holy Ghost works, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. You're going to have, you got your Bibles ready? All right, so I don't know when I'm going to have you turn in. Get them ready, please. And uh, uh, get your notes, get your pen in hand, get ready, because I'm going to go real fast. All right, what the Holy Ghost does. The action of the Holy Ghost. Number one, it works. He works. Now, have you ever noticed sometimes when it says yet? Have you received yet? Well, the Holy Ghost is not an yet. But we say that. Now, you know, there's one place in the King James Version that, that the Holy Ghost is referenced as an it, as yet. But translations correct that. And it shouldn't be translated yet, but it is. But correct translations translated correctly. So anyway, the Holy Ghost is not an it. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God, right? The presence of the Lord. And God is not an it. 
Well, we, do, we do say that, don't have you received it? Have I received it? It, it what? Have you received the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is not yet. The presence of God. Right. So, hear the Lord's words. 1 Corinthians 12 11. It searches. 1 Corinthians 2 10. It speaks. Revelation 2 7. The Lord the Bible says, He that hath an ear to the churches, the seven churches in Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying the churches. Are you hearing what the Spirit's saying to the churches? No. I'm hearing what He's saying. I'm here. I take it. I love it. I'm living it. I'm living. I'm living. I'm loving it. I'm thanking God for it. Anybody got an ear this morning? Did they have an ear? Let me hear what the what? The Spirit. Say it. I'm not talking about physical ears. Everybody's got physical ears as far as I know. I'm talking about you have a spiritual ear. You have an invisible ear that I can't see. Okay? So, Spirit speaks. Is He talking to you? How many know God talks all the time? He created you, didn't He? And one attribute of God is His, his, his female, female attribute. Boy, they can do something. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, and it might be in Jeremiah. I can't wait for His. Male hormones start kicking in. I just can't wait for his poor guy, poor Jeremiah. Look, I'm going to tell him the whole church came to his rescue. I love him like you do. But that little guy can talk and he can talk and he can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I'm thinking, I can't wait for the male hormones to see because when the male hormone kicks in, you know, it, it'll, it'll kind of calm down a little bit. And pretty soon, there won't be anything coming out of that mouth. <laughs> it'll be just sitting in a chair staring off in space. And then your wife say, what are you, a mute? You know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Praise God. But God is always talking. God is a talking God. He created you in His image. That, you don't go out there and hear your dog talking to you. Your dog, you I know some of you think your dog talks, but your dog doesn't talk. Your cat, somebody thinks your cat talks, your dog, your cat don't talk. Human beings talk because we're created in the image of God. If you're talking this morning, that's the proof that God exists. But God's a talking God. And God is always talking to you. But God stops talking to me. Because I know He's a talking God, I get to see Him. God gets quiet. Y'all heard him between Wednesday and Sunday. You heard him Thursday, maybe Friday, Saturday. You heard him talk. I thank God for that. I couldn't make it without a word from God. Something that goes saying something. Amen. Now, okay. Let's let's clarify this. Do I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying to me, saying to me to talk to you today about you about this? Did you say God talks to you? What response should they have if you tell them God talked to you? Yeah, no, but it's like, 
Pastoring at the time, I resigned that church. I went to that church. I didn't tell the pastor what God told me. I let the Lord open the door. I did tell my wife what happened before we left that. Before we left pastoring that church over there, we came. I told my wife that it showed me that I believe you too. This is the truth of the So I went there. She lived, and I lived. Didn't tell the pastor. Didn't tell anybody about it. If it was God, he would open the door. I wouldn't have to open the door for myself. She was here to resign. That's what happened. And I was pastor for 22 years at this church in the city of South Florida. So those are two times that I can tell you that I remember right now since you call that I had a direct intervention from the Lord like that some way, some vision or dream or whatever. But most, most of the time when God talks to me, And the Lord's taking his word off the pages of his Bible and talking to you. It's called a rhema word. That's how he talks to me. That's how he talks to you. How do you think I know what to preach to you then? He don't give you a dream every night. Every day you're going to preach this. And he says he gives you direction. That still small voice inside speaking his word. That's how he talks to you. You say he speaks, the Spirit of God speaks. Yes. How does he speak? He speaks by taking his word and speaking his word into your heart. How many of your life, you know, you're just living, the Lord speaks to you uh, a scripture? You know, that was the Lord talking to you. That's how he talks to you. Most of the time, that's how he talks to you. So when somebody asks you, God talks to you? Yeah. How does he talk to you? By his word. So anyway, let me go on. He speaks. John 15, 26, he testifies. 1 John 5, 6, he bears witness. John 14, 26, he teaches. Nehemiah 9, 20, he instructs. John 16, 8 through 11, he reproves. And we'll, get, we'll break that down in more detail as we go further in the lesson. He reproves, okay? He makes intercession, Romans 8, 26. He 
leaves, Matthew 4, 1, he dies. John 16, 13, to glorify the person of the Lord Jesus. John 16, 14. He's involved in regeneration of the soul. Regeneration simply means rebirth. He's involved in the rebirth. John 3, 5 through 6. John 6, 3, he scribes. John 16, 8, he corrects. Isaiah 48, 16, he sends messengers from God. Acts 13, 2, he calls men into ministry. Acts 8, 29, he directs men in the service of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, he, he releases the gifts of the Spirit into your life. The gifts of the Spirit into your life. Okay? So that's the actions. The actions of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Now, as we said earlier, the Spirit of God is not just a force or, or energy. It's the presence of the Lord. Okay? So it's a personal experience that we have. And so the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost has two leads. Now, when you have the Spirit of God, it's invisible, right? When it talks about the Spirit of God and it uses human terms to describe it, like feelings that it has, the Spirit of God has feelings, that's. How do you, uh, theologians have to help me with that. Anthro, anthropomorphism, I think, how do you say it? An, 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 anthropomorphism. All right. That means is that God reveals himself in human terms so we can relate to him. Okay? So when I talk about God having feelings, he's revealing himself to us in human terms so we can understand. The Spirit of God has feelings. You got that? All right. Number one, Ephesians 4.30. The Spirit of God can be grieved. Say grieved. Oftentimes, you think you're grieving, but it's only you. But if you have the Holy Ghost, it could be God grieving. I've been in situations, I'm sure you've been in situations with people, and just just you yourself grieving. You think it's just you, but it's the Spirit of the Lord. It can be the Spirit of God in you grieving. Okay? You can insult the Holy Ghost. Hebrews 10 29. Holy Ghost can be insulted. Right? It can be lied to. Acts 5 3. It can be blasphemed. Matthew 12 31 through 32. It can be resisted. Acts 7 51. It can be tempted. Acts 6 9. Say yes. He can be vexed. Isaiah 63.10 He can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 okay. Grieved, Ephesians 4.30 Insulted, Hebrews 10.29 Lied to, Acts 5.3 Blasphemed, 
Matthew 12, 31 to 32, was this one. Acts 7, 51, take it, Acts 6, 9, text, Isaiah 64, 20, 20, 1 Thessalonians 5. Amen? this or not, but the word breath of life is in the plural. So he didn't just have physical life, he had spiritual life. Now when man fell in the garden and sinned against God, he died spiritually. Do you understand? You can understand it this way. The shades of the spirit in, was inside of man. He was dead spiritually. 
church before. Now, the spirit, the spirit, your, your human spirit is what communicates with God. It's what comes in contact with God. So when men fell, sin separated them from God, so they died spiritually. You understand that way? Okay. Before the church. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you get spiritual life in you. But watch this. Before you get born of the, of the, of the Spirit of God, or get born again of the water and the Spirit, become a child of God, you're still physically alive. Correct? But when you receive the Holy Ghost, spiritual life becomes you. So that's why when it says that God formed man of dust of the ground, he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, it's a plural term. Because he didn't just give you physical life, he gave you spiritual life. So a person can be walking on planet earth and have physical life, but not have spiritual life. Until they get born again of the water and the spirit. Until God breathes in you the breath. So, and then Psalm 104, verse 30, the creation of beast, the animal, or the, uh, the Spirit of God was involved in the creation of the animal world. Okay. So if I understand that correctly, but please, all you theologians out there, be merciful on me. If I understand it correctly, that he used his breath, he breathed in you the beast. Okay. They only had physical life. Life principle. But you have more than a life principle. You have you also have spiritual life. They just breathe his breath. Make sense? Okay. So anyway, Psalm 104, verse 30. So the Spirit of God was involved in the creation of the world. He was involved in um, the creation of man. He's been breathing into his nostrils the breath of life and in the beast to the animal kingdom. And then we have redemption also in the Old Testament. Now, you may not understand this, may not realize this, but in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says, God says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Well, what does that mean? Is God going to fight with man? No. When it talks about my spirit shall not always strive with man, Genesis 6 verse 3, that is God trying to save him. That's God coming, trying to redeem man. So he's striving with man. He's not fighting. He's striving with man. I want to save you. Be saved. Be redeemed. In Genesis 6 3, when he talks about God striving, that has to do with redemption. And then we see uh, the Old Testament. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 18 through 20 that it quickens Noah with priests. And what was that about? It was God by his spirit speaking through Noah to try to save that generation. Okay? So the Spirit of God involved in and through Noah preaching is a work of redemption. Prepare the ark for the saving of, of your house, so on and so forth. Preach to the world. They can enter into this ark. It was God's spirit, you know. Wow. All of man is salvation. And then we have um, in the Old Testament the prophets, the Spirit of God speaking through the prophets of the Lord. The sad part about it is 
of Israel in the Old Testament, when those prophets stood up and preached, God was speaking through those prophets, but the Bible clearly says that Israel resisted. Okay? They resisted not just the prophet that was preaching, but they resisted the spirit that was speaking through them. Um, also the Holy Ghost was involved in inspiration or explain that inspiration the word of God is God breathed first Peter 1 11 through 12 in connection with the old and the new testament okay now old testament the spirit of God worked in Israel in the old testament are y'all still with me worked in and through Israel in the Old Testament. For example, building of the tabernacle. The Bible says, now this is interesting, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord would come and indwell certain men with wisdom to build this tabernacle. Exodus chapter 28. So the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, was involved in imparting wisdom to people. Okay, specific men, specific servants of God with wisdom to build who built the tabernacle. You saw how beautiful all the pieces and parts of the tabernacle are. The numbers of the tabernacle, everything. God put it in them, showed them how to hammer out. You know, different parts of it. Yeah, where did that wisdom come from? Where did it, that ability come from? It came from the Spirit of the Lord enabling them. He, in the Old Testament, gave dreams and interpreted dreams. Genesis 41, 38, thereabouts, and Joseph was given the ability by God to interpret dreams. The Spirit of the Lord involved in interpreting dreams. Okay. The difference in the Old Testament when the Holy Ghost came on people or, listen, indwelt them. Because they, somebody may ask you this question. Did the Holy Ghost just come on them, set on them, or did the Holy Ghost indwell them in the Old Testament? The answer is yes. The Bible says the Holy Ghost came on them, but it also says that men in the Old Testament were indwelled, but it was only a temporary indwelling. And a temporary coming of the Spirit of God upon certain men. Are y'all here tonight? Today, if you are, say praise the Lord. It was only temporary. So yes, men, if they ask you the question, were people who dwelt with the Spirit in the Old Testament? Yes, they were, but only temporary. And once God got through with them, or took the service or whatever, He didn't remain inside of them or on them. And it was only on special men of God or women of God where he would come on them or indwell them in them to perform a particular service for him. And once that was done, he didn't stay there. Okay. So let me say it again. It was only on a few men and women in the Old Testament. Special men and women of service and only temporary. 
But the Bible says that we're going to change. We read it to you in John chapter 2. In the last days, saith Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So it's no longer going to be just a particular men or women doing service for God. All flesh. How many flesh do we have in here? Anybody, you are flesh? If you are flesh, the promise is for you. There's a prophecy in John chapter 2, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And now he comes to dwell in us, to abide in us forever. It's not a temporary thing where he comes on you and just anoints you and lifts. He comes to live inside of you, to dwell in you. Amen. Forever. What an awesome thing. So everything that the Old Testament had, all the anointing that the Old Testament had, we have that in the New Testament church, but more. Because now it's for all flesh. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's for all flesh. And it's forever, not just temporary. So that's the difference. It's much better now in the New Testament than the Old Testament. You say, I wish we lived in Old Testament days when God moved like he did then. No, it's better today than it was then. We were in Old Testament days. Only your pastor would have the Holy Spirit working through. Aren't you thankful today that not just preachers that have the Holy Ghost, but it's you, hallelujah, the saints of the living God? Do you understand what I'm saying? The Spirit of God Himself lives inside of you. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which temple you are? Do you know today if you been filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. We're at. In your arms. In your spirit. Yes. The Spirit of the living God is in your spirit. In your spirit. So I'm just thankful for you. Sometimes, some places go through there, here they are. They start doing all kinds of stuff. And I thought we should even have one of those kind of services, runaway services. We just turned this one over here. But it came off somehow, so we're not there yet. Not that excited about it. Just a little bit. Do you realize that today? You are the sons of the living God. Sons of the living God that dwell supernaturally by the Spirit of the living God, that you're not just led by your five senses, but there's another dimension to your life. Your spirit is alive and God is in union with your spirit, in your spirit, that you don't just live by your senses, but you live by the direction of God's spirit that's inside of your spirit. The Spirit of God in union with your spirit. That is amazing to me. To live that life. So you understand the difference between the Old and New Testament? Now, the Old Testament had prophets, priests, and kings. And they take oil, and they pour oil on their heads as a, a, a symbol of an anointing of God's Spirit that would come upon them. So prophet, priest, and king were the threefold theocratic office of the Old Testament. You understand that theocratic office? A theocracy is the rule of God. 
okay? And underneath the rule of God, the theocracy, where he was the direct ruler, he was the king of Israel. Underneath him, he set three offices. Now, today in the church, we have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher that are set in the house to govern it. And we have uh, deacons that serve. And we have the church deal with the gifts of the Spirit. All right? But as far as offices in the church today, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, amen, and deacon serve. So, but in the Old Testament, there were three theocratic offices, which means under the rulership of God himself, there was prophet, priest, and king. And every one of them, prophet, priest, and king, were anointed. They were anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. In fact, they were so anointed by God, they were literally called the anointed of the Lord. They were called the Lord's anointed. David was the Lord's anointed. Saul was the Lord's anointed. Solomon was the Lord's anointed. Because they were anointed by the Spirit of God in that theocracy, theocratic office, that you could not normally cross the line. If you were a king, you normally weren't a priest. You crossed the line. If you were a king, anointed as a king, you didn't have it in, in the line of a priest. That's what church leaders had to do. A man by the name of Uzziah said he was going to go. He said, I'm a, I'm a king. I'm going to offer incense as I want to to God. He tried to go in there and offer incense to God. And the priest said, don't, king, don't do it, don't do it. And in his pride, he insisted. And God struck him with leprosy. Because you could not cross the line if you were anointed as king into the, to the office of the king. But there were men typical in the Bible. David was one. David was anointed three times. Literally anointed three times. David, spiritually speaking, was a prophet, priest, and king. He was a type of the Lord Jesus. He was prophet, priest, and king. They were known as the Lord's anointed. So you look at the man, and okay, all his frailties, you know, his warts and everything, his performances, you look at him. They listen to him. He's not just a man. He's the anointed of the Lord. The Bible says, you touch the Lord's anointed. Touch not the Lord's anointed, nor do my prophets, do my prophets no harm. So even if you don't like the man, you better not touch the Lord's anointed. Because there's an office that is connected to that man. So they were known as the Lord's anointed. Say praise the Lord, church. Y'all all right out there? If you love God, give God a hand. Back to praise for his goodness. Now, every one of you today in the body of Christ has the Holy Ghost, so I'm looking at the anointed of the Lord. You are the anointed of the Lord. If you're filled with the Spirit of God. And then God has obviously certain specific uh, calls and offices in the church. Paul's apartment and pastor teacher. So and so forth, administration, they're just various operations of God, but you understand, there's still anointed offices, 
called Christ. Okay. Now that's Old Testament days. Okay, so we have prophets, Acts 7, 51 through 52. We have priests, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 14. We have king, 1 Samuel 10, 6. All of those were types of the Lord. And you think about it, all those kings of Israel, those kings of Judah, the sad part about it is that those kings were to be a type and a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and many of those kings fell. So think about this. When Jesus walked into the wilderness and was tested, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. When he walks into that wilderness, Satan tries to tempt him to fall like the old kings of Israel. And he refused to do it. He's the true king of Israel that refused to, to fail or to fall. Okay. Now, in the New Testament, kind of like the Old Testament, which is temporary, it indwells the believer. Uh, and we are in New Covenant days, obviously. John 7, 37, what did Jesus say? If you believe as the Scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit that they that believe on him should receive. If you believe the Bible way, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're not believing as the Scripture has said, you're not going to receive the Holy Ghost. How many of y'all believe as the scripture has said? John 7, 37 through 39. If you believe as the scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rayo, rhetoric. When that flow comes, that rayo, that rhetoric, there's going to be a sound that is rhetoric. It's tongues. So yeah, there's going to be a flow, but it's connected to rayo, speaking. So you're saying, I don't know if you realize that. But right there in John 7, 37, Jesus is telling you what happens when you see receive the Holy Ghost and believe that the Scripture has said there's going to be a rhetoric that comes out of you. Okay? All right? In Acts 2, 20, go over there. I'm coming to a close. See how important the doctrine of the Holy Ghost is? Fulfillment of Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. In the last days, which you are in right now, we began in the day of Pentecost. All right, let's start with verse 20. The sun shall be turned into the darkness and the moon into blood before that.